Happy Monday. Welcome back to the About Last Night podcast. Thank you guys for listening and subscribing. If you're doing it on YouTube, do it on Spotify and iTunes as well. Uh, hope you had a great weekend. Great weekend in St. Petersburg, Florida. Everyone came out because they're not losers. Uh, Florida, man. Hot as balls. But the crowds are great. Coastal Creative, shout out. If you came from Tampa, if you came from Orlando, all the ALN fans, I appreciate it. Kill Tony fans, Tyso fans, Corolla fans. You want to pluck them from wherever. People dig your bullshit. Appreciate you guys. Show's real blast. Uh, Florida comes out, comes correct. And, uh, and I appreciate all the love. Uh, we got some fun gigs coming up this weekend. I'm in Philly at the Punchline, but uh, but not before I hit Austin. I'm at the Comedy Mothership this weekend doing Kill Tony again. And, uh, and then a few more spots during the week. And then we head to Philly for the Punchline September 14th through the 16th. Come out and see your boy running the hour before I shoot my special September 22nd and 23rd in Madison, Wisconsin at Comedy on State. Cannot wait. Tickets at adamraycomedy.com or comedyonstate.com. Please come out and see your boy. I cannot wait. Going to be a blast. Four shows. Cannot wait. Let's do it. Comedy on State, Madison, Wisconsin, September 22nd and 23rd. Got tons of dates through the rest of the year. D.C., um, uh, San Diego, Phoenix, and a ton of dates with Sal Volcano and Matt Reif separately. Can't wait for all those. All that ticket info at adamraycomedy.com. Follow me, of course, on TikTok, Instagram, uh, and Twitter. Uh, threads, sorry, Adam Ray Comedy. Uh, check out the Adam Ray uh, Live from Portland special on my YouTube channel. And check out the Dr. Phil Bill Burr Live from the Comedy Store on my YouTube channel. And uh, we're setting a new Dr. Phil Live in the next couple weeks, so get ready for that. Big Adam Ray and Buddies show at the Comedy Store September 27th. Uh, Craig Robinson, uh, Nikki Glazer, Patton Oswalt. Eliza Schlesinger, Justin May Peluso, and uh, Pete Holmes so far. Um, September 27th at the Comedy Store main room. ComedyStore.com for that. Today's episode is a special episode. The NFL season has kicked off as of yesterday. So what better person to have than an NFL great, a legend, a Seahawks Super Bowl champion, Michael Bennett, defensive tackle for the Seattle Seahawks during their Super Bowl uh, championship run. And uh, just a funny-ass dude kind, smart, funny, and uh, and a beast on the field. We get into everything on this episode. The Super Bowl uh, win, the Super Bowl loss, making it to the pros, being on the Hawks, uh, the Legion of Boom, um, uh, Pete Carroll, Marshawn Lynch, Russell Wilson. Uh, we get into all of it, and, uh, and it's a great episode. So enjoy it. Follow Mike on Instagram at MosesBread72. And, uh, of course, follow the podcast at ALN Podcast on Instagram, Twitter, and uh, subscribe on YouTube. And uh, I think that's it. You know where to get the tour dates. Come see the special taping. Madison, Wisconsin, September 22nd and 23rd at Comedy on State. And uh, and enjoy this episode and have a great week. All right, let's get into it. New ALN Podcast coming at you right now with Seahawk legend and Super Bowl champion, Michael Bennett. Hey, it's Herbert. Mm-hmm. And you're listening to the About Last Night Podcast, you slippery little son of a bitch. I was uh, looking up some other Michael Bennett facts, and Mike Bennett, the pro wrestler, came up. How often does that happen?
No, it's the the dancer, the Mike Bennett, the wrestler, the Mike Bennett, the terrible politician. <laughs> it's all of those. Yeah, no, you know what? It sucks. I don't know if you ever get like the Google alerts, but I'll get like from time to time, like, you know, people Google alert, like, you know, from maybe some movie or TV show, but then I'll get Google alerts of like Adam Ray Johnson was arrested in Jacksonville, Florida for you know, <laughs> eating bath salts again and robbing an A.M.P. of it. You know, you said eating bath salts. Eating bath salts. <laughs> man, remember that was that was actually a thing, though. That was a thing, man. That was when the kids were. Uh, that was like pre-Tide Pod. Remember when kids were trying to find a way to mix it up? To do anything, not to, to just not listen. Bro, but if the kids eating a Tide Pod is that is that part of the the, the parents' fault though? Great is question. The kids Tide Pod? I mean, yeah. Like, did you? How accessible are you making those pods around the house, you know? And also- Why is there Tide Pods everywhere? And why does your kid know that eating Tide Pods is a bad thing? <laughs> I mean, I think it starts with that. If you can't look at a Tide Pod and a Pop-Tart and decide which one's good for you, I mean, maybe a bad example. I don't know which one is, but now real quick uh, follow-up question. Mike, if we're going Pop-Tarts and you're on a desert island or it's post-Super Bowl and you're looking to treat yourself, what Pop-Tart are you going with? There's many flavors to choose from. Oh, Pop-Tarts? Man. I feel like a like a Pop-Tart used to tell how rich you were growing up, right? Because it's like, you went to somebody's house and they had the Pop-Tart that was, you know, the store brand. Or if they actually had the title of Pop-Tart. And if you're super rich, bro, Adam. Oh, shit. If you're super rich, Break that's what down. you have. Yeah. Toaster strudel. You know, that first time you get that toaster strudel. A little icing packet on the like, side. <laughs> <laughs> and you're waving that cream on there and you're like, man, I got a, a Danish, a Tosa Street or Danish and you, you feel good, right? So, You know, that family had two yeah. garages. <laughs> that family was living really well. They knew about each other. They, hang, they hung out. They even had dinner on time, you know? Fuck yeah, what's that like? I didn't have that. What, how, did you have that growing up in Independence, Louisiana? Oh, no, man. Like, I feel like growing up... My parents, like, I feel like we ate, we always had like Sunday dinners and like that kind of stuff. Nice. Like, like the church growing up type of family where, you know, kind of like everybody got to eat at the same time type of thing. Right. Um, but yeah. You grew up there from when to when to when before you went to uh, Houston? Man, I grew up, was, I, found, I went there, Texas, then back to Louisiana. No, I went, no, I went there, California. Then I even lived in Washington for a little bit in Bremerton, and my dad was in the military. And then I came back to California, San Diego again. Then when my dad got out the military, we moved back to Louisiana for just a short period of time, maybe a year and a half, two, and then we went back to Houston. So I think I got to Houston when I was like 10 or 11. So you and Martellus, your brother, were military kids. You guys bounced around a lot? Yeah. Damn, I didn't yeah, we know got, that. Yeah, we bounced around a lot. Like being a military kid, like you always are on the move, you're always kind of working, you're always trying to figure out, you know, when dad's coming home, you know, so, and just like the whole idea, like, you know, how safe is everybody, you know, so that's always hard. So that's what kind of made the the national anthem thing very difficult, because it was kind of like, people thought that you, that you didn't have anybody that was in the military, and it's like, no, my whole family was in the military, you know? Yeah. And so like, you know, having to, make people understand that I think that was one of the most difficult things like because we were kind of more talking about humanity what the military is fighting for like the idea that people have fair treatment in America the idea that people have fair water water people in education 
and that they will be safe from police violence, you know. So I think that's what it was mostly about. It never was against the military because most of our families, like the military represents, you know, poverty in America, right? Because most of the people that go to the military are one people who who have come from struggle and want better for their life and they're very right. be want discipline. So the military provides that. So a lot of our parents and cousins and uncles, grandparents, you know, were in the military. Do you think having that sort of upbringing uh, is definitely fueled why you're so vocal, uh, you know, with social issues and social injustice and just, you know, you're definitely a rarity, I feel like, when it comes to athletes that want to really, I mean, you know, you can speak on this, but it's like, you know, as a comedian, people are looking at us to, like, be chopping it up on stage and talking about shit that people that maybe don't want to hear or aren't saying, right? But it's like, for you guys, there's a certain level of, I don't know if it's the sport itself or people that watch that want to put you in this box of, like, Hey man, you know, just like we're watching you for the entertainment. We don't like you're, but it's like, hey motherfucker, I'm a person first. So, well, I think it makes it very difficult for people because I think there's this idea that we create these um, identities and like these identities break us from our realities. But in reality, like we're at the basis and the core of all things that we're just humans, right? And I think that's what you have to connect to at like a human level is. Like, it's not so much about like, oh, you do this sport or you do this job. It's like, how do you feel when something happens to a fucking other human? Like, how do you feel when you see Maui? How do you feel when you see tragedy around you? And what are you willing to do to stop tragedy around you? At what point do we become numb to societal ills? I think culturally we've built this um, this idea of self and it's like reality, nothing really happens in, as in self, we, things happen as in tribal, things happen as in the collective, integrated design, integrated cultures, and where things are cross, where things just happen, you know, where we all are building things to bigger, nothing, no part is bigger than the other one. And I think sometimes as a culture, we forget that, you know? 1,000. You always been this thoughtful when you were a kid and uh, bouncing around? I feel like it was, let's be honest, if you're smarter than the other when kids. I, when I was a kid, I didn't think. You didn't think? I was gonna say it's tough to make no, friends when you're this fucking smart. Like you're, I was just, just listening to you talk. I was like, man, if I was, if I was like, yo, Mike, you want to go play some Madden? And you're like, man, everything's, you know, we're small. Everything's bigger than what we're than what we're doing right now. I'd be like, all right, man, I'm just trying to fucking squash these Jolly Ranchers. But like, if you, fucking... I think, I think, I've, it, it, in, in retrospect, I think it's for me. It's always been a little bit. I've always been connected to uh, a higher purpose and yeah. and and morality. I think I've dealt with that for all my life pretty much because my all my family was preachers. So spirituality and religious structure was kind of like the upbringing. Yeah. yeah, my grandpa had a church in the back backyard. We were always just working and farming and doing things and playing sports. So, and, and at the same time, I still want to have fun. I love having fun, but I think there's a point where we, I love playing Madden, but then it's like, at some point you always have like that reality and you remind yourself about the reality. I think, everything shares a reciprocal relationship. You respect pain because you understand joy. You respect life because you understand death. And you love, you you appreciate light in a room because of darkness. It's like one can't exist without the other. So there is a balance that we kind of tiptoe on in a constant state. Yeah, I mean, Madden would be like an escape for me. And it's like my buddy Avery Garmeyer across the street. We get in fights all the time from playing, you know, chess and, and Madden and, and then like, 
the once the game would finish, I'd go back to my single mom household and like dealing with whatever that was and trying to figure out if she was going to, you know, pick up another job so she could, you know, pay for my little league uniforms. And then Avery's going back to his, you know, bigger house with two parents and all this, no concerns. And it was like, uh, so sometimes the stakes were higher. It's like if I lost on a, you know, if I'm if I'm throwing a Hail Mary on, you know, fourth and 26 and I lose that game, it's like <laughs> it wasn't just a wasn't just a loss. It was like, fuck, not only did I lose the video game, but I got to go back to my house where there's just like, you know, more chaos. Yeah. than. Uh, you just broke down what being black in America is. That's you just said it. Like here's white America just heard you say it. the stakes are higher when you're black. I've been saying it black. for years, baby. That's why you're here. <laughs> Finally, can somebody listen to me? Fucking help get my voice to the top. Uh, shit, dude, for real. No, but I think that's what it's about. Like I think sometimes people don't understand that when they're privileged, they don't understand that there's the stakes that are higher for the other person just to try to survive. Right? It's like yeah. those who live in a boat can't understand what it feels like to float in the water. Right? And it's like. You see people walking from El Salvador. You see people trying to get from Miami. You see people get from Cuba to Miami. And you're just like, oh my God. But then you go into the depths and the core of their soul and what they're experiencing on a daily basis. You start to have some type of compassion and empathy for their struggle. And I think that's what, like, he doesn't know that you know that you're struggling or what you're going through. But until he steps into your life, then he can have understanding like, oh man, like this is why he's so gritty. But then those situations is what make us too, right? Because who knows what, What's your what's the guy name that you playing with? Avery Garmar. <laughs> How Avery Garmar doing now? Is he a jerk? Bro, he I mean, truth be told, he he had a, a kid, you know, uh with a girl and everything seemed to he was struggling on the struggle bus trying to He had a kid with a girl. Yeah, but 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 yeah, but then the girl then flipped a switch and like kind of made it impossible for him to see his kid now. And he's uh So she turned into a man? Was that now? She flipped the switch and turned into a man? Well, he was. He stepped it up for the kid, and then the wife just got What's a little. About the lady. She. Oh no. <laughs> no. She flipped the switch and went from from. Oh, she's still a woman. She's still a woman. My she bad. Was... Flip the switch. Yeah. See, dude. Look, I'm trying to keep up with the cool black hey, slang gotta... in 2023. I didn't know flip a switch meant like take it going from from wiener to pussy. But if it did, then that's what it is. But I'm, <laughs> you and I are just getting to know each other still, so I'm trying to figure it out. But yeah, no, flip a switch is in like she went cuckoo for cocoa puffs uh, during the daytime. Okay. She took Nyquil okay. during the day, do you know what I'm saying? And Dayquil at night. She, um, <laughs> so she, she now kept Avery from his kids. So he's, yeah, man. I mean, he, his life was, was, uh, you know, uh, sweet for a minute. And yeah, he's definitely on the, uh, the darker side of things. But, um, let me ask you this, Mike, were you, Who said you, you <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. It might've been, it might've been fourth and 26 in 1995, but it's, it's fourth and forever for him right now. That's dark. All right, I'll take that. We'll edit this out. Uh, I love you, Abe, if you're watching. Um, Mike, you strike me as someone, you got to tell me this, dude. You are, and I've known you as long as I've just, you know, seen you, obviously uh, been following you, um, you know, when you're playing for our uh, our Hawks since 2013, and um, and then been fortunate enough to be around you in the past couple of years with uh, Champions of Change, you, uh, Dougie B and Cliff's uh, organization that's, you know, doing insane things for uh, the state of Washington and, and the communities and, and a lot of uh, groups that just need support and not only financially, but uh, exposure too, you know? And um, you strike me as someone that's always had that philanthropic bug in you, but you're also such a fun-loving guy. I mean, whether it's like getting on the mic, like before we even really had more than a couple exchanges, 
you were like throwing me uh, love, but also roasting and toasting me during the game. And I was like, dude, this is the guy I fuck with because like he's trying to be in the bit boat right out of the gate. Like he's he's making fun of me, but then also when I get a nice layup, he's like, oh, I see you, Adam Ray. I see you. I'm running up down the court pointing at you, and like you know, you're trying to get the crowd hyped up around me. And then two minutes later, you're like, yo, give the ball back to Marshawn. Y'all know what happened last time we didn't give it to him. Whole stadium erupts. Like you just have this gift for gab that I think is um, it's so funny to see people off the field like that. We as fans get so enamored when you guys have the the sweetest semblance of personality. Do you know what I'm saying? And you, I think, are. Yeah, I, think- I just want to know when that happened. When, have you always was was young Mikey B like always this? I guess fun loving and upbeat. Man, I grew up watching for was probably bad of my parents. So I'm saying this, but. Richard Pryor, Eddie Murphy. Let's go. Delirious or Raw? All of them. Yeah, yeah, Red Fox. Like, every night we used to watch Sanford and Son. Like, you know what I'm saying? So I grew up around, you know, that type of comedy where it was just like you would, you you know how to, like, you know how to balance a joke or balance the thing, you know? Like, the joke isn't to tear the person down. The joke is to be funny, you know what I'm saying? And I yeah. think sometimes people have a hard time of doing that, right? They get to the point where they're being so negative with the joke that it's like they can't find the balance in the joke to, like, that maybe you're trying to highlight something and, and you want to highlight it, but you need to, you know, find a way of, of being able to tell the truth of that subject and the irony of it, you know? And I think... That's kind of where I grew up, like in that between that line. And I think, you know, people kind of get, you know, misconstrued, especially when you are an athlete and you you connect to human issues and you bring light to those things and then you bring humor or explaining it. You, you kind of get to that place of being like, you get to that place of being like, uh, you know, you something as simple as what's happening in the world. And you just kind of just want to find a way to like basically deal with it. I think that's what comedy does, right? Comedy oh, yeah. is so important, right? It's like, it's one of the most important art forms, right? Cause it's like the thing that like life is already tough. Like, and there's moments where we need to have laughter to deal with the realities that we fear. Like why are we paying taxes if you dead? Like makes no fucking sense. Like, like explain that to me. Like why when you die and somebody's come to you and say, oh yeah, you know, you just died. That's like, we want to take half of what you had because you don't need it because you're dead. Like what? Like who the fuck does? It? Like this is the this is the world that we live in, you know. Like, so. uh, did you think that fearlessness of like just you? I mean, it strikes me. I don't know if you were a class clown or like did having a brother in Martellus. Did you guys like bring it out of each other or what? Like how did you? Because he's a goofy motherfucker too, man. Just he was, you know, he was my coach for this last Champions of Change gang and game, and he was just like, I mean, ripping people on the. I remember one time I think Will Conroy drove. There's about 14 seconds left, and we were down by one, and he drove baseline and, like, picked up his dribble, and, and Martellus goes, yeah, pick up your dribble, drive baseline into a double team. That's a great move. <laughs> and everybody just starts <laughs> laughing. And it was, like, you know, a close game, but he was just he – was, he was like that the whole time. And I'm like, man, both these Bennett brothers are just fearless uh, uh, in the way they, they, uh, they hang, you know? Man, I grew up in Texas, like, people used to make jokes all the time. So it was one of those things where you had to be able to defend yourself. It wasn't about so much about fighting. But it was the art of comedy and the art of being able to tell a joke. And even in Louisiana, my grandparents, everybody, like, like when you pull up, my grandma, like she gonna say the most um the thing that you probably you say you gained a lot of weight, right? It's like, you know, like I'm feeling really plump, you know, I ain't sure nothing fitting. Like she pull up, she's like, oh, 
Hey, Judy, that boy getting that boy. He look plump. Bring your little plump self over here. Come on, come on. Oh my boy, you still cute, but you're plump now. You like that, and you just like damn. All right, grandma, you tell me I'm cute, but I'm fat. You know what I'm saying? So it's like those are the people I kind of grew up with. Bro, I, my grandpa did the same thing to me because I was I was pushing you know like 180 in the fourth grade. I mean, dude, it was like. Like, let's just say my mom would get a new bra and I was like, you mind if I borrow it? Like, it was getting that bad. Like, it was, and my grandpa, my grandpa would say, he had a more indirect way. He'd be, you know, uh, uh, Oklahoma Jew. He'd be like, he'd be like, you know, you can't wear sweatpants at your bar mitzvah. <laughs> that was his like way of being like, hey, maybe, maybe don't go back for seconds on that lasagna. You know what I'm saying? Grandparents yeah, have a way like, of just holding up that mirror, don't they? they? They do. They tell you that and they want you to be like, hey, you need to, hey, watch what you're fucking wearing now. Yeah, so. Uh, when did football become uh, something that you fell into? Or was that just always, you, you just played all the sports and then that one stuck or what? I mean, I, I actually loved football. I I love the history of football. Like I grew up loving seeing Alan Page, grew up loving seeing, you know, Tampa Bay defense, the Chicago Bears, like uh, every all those things, like those things were like, the core of what I love growing up, right, is sports as a sports fan. So like, and I just like the idea of teams. So football has always kind of stuck to me, stuck to me as a as a teenager, a youth. And like, I grew up playing football in my backyard growing up. Like, we played against other neighborhoods. Like, so that was always a part of my thing. Is like, I love the idea of competing and competing with a group of people. What did it uh, mean to have a, a brother that was also into it? Did you guys like? No, that was the best part of it. We were on teams, throwing the ball to each other, catching the ball. Like, and like, it made it a lot easier in the NFL, right? Because it's one of those things where not a lot of people um, will, not a lot of people you can talk to that really know what you're actually going through. And that fact that being able to talk to my brother, it made my career a lot easier because there's things that I could talk to him about that was actually happening that could, that, maybe my wife couldn't really understand about the pain of the game or that, but my brother was in the thick of it. So it's like you having your best friend who's experiencing the same thing and you have somewhere, somebody to reflect with. Yeah. How often would you guys communicate during the season? Like, I mean, keeping tabs on each other. We talk every single day, like three, four times a day. What's it like when you really are playing each other? Can you, uh, is you, you can separate and, and keep that dog in the air or you just, you, yeah, you don't want your brother never, to get hurt. We never hit each other hard. Like we just kind of just, go through the motions of it, right? And like, yeah. like we'll play hard, but not like, like where we try to kill each other. Is that really a uh, a real thing that people talk about as far as like, I think I heard Sherm talk about it when he got chastised for his, uh, you know, post-NFC championship interview when he was, you know, screaming about Crabtree, Crabtree and Aaron Andrews is like, you know, wait, what the fuck? What you, what's going on? You know, but I was like, dude, I think I heard Sherm say after, he's like, you don't understand. We got to like get ourselves so riled up to go to battle that like, like a boxer. The adrenaline like is so high at that moment. Like, you can't expect someone to come on. If anything, I was like, I'm surprised Sherm didn't drop fucking every curse word in the book. When you're that riled up, especially after a play you made like that, and then you shove a mic in someone's face, like, get out of here to expect them to be composed. But I think that's hard for people to understand. It's like when they go into the, around the lines in the Serengeti, and then they get bit, and it's like, what'd you fucking expect? You were in the Serengeti. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's like that with football, like, you put people through these violent things in the whole game and you expect them to have some type of composure when they, like you said, I wouldn't even say, you know, adrenaline and it's just violence. It's like, really? you know, when you play in football, it's like you have to choose violence all the time. Or are you going to be, you know, 
you're gonna, you're gonna be it's gonna be it's gonna be too much you know eat or be eaten right exactly Actually, that's what i used to say in the sixth grade when i would dip my pop tarts into cool whip um yo mike uh yeah. what um when you got to seattle in 2013 right you went to tampa for a bit i want to hear just like that transition from tampa back to seattle because you got drafted uh went to seattle undrafted right and yeah it's super hard I, I think that that coming to the nfl like I mean, I was thankful to come to Seattle, right? Because it was like one of those things where it was like a beautiful place, you know. I couldn't imagine like going to like a Cleveland, like no offense, people who are listening from Cleveland. Hey, know? man, I'm just there. They got a great comedy club, but yeah, that city is uh, still trying to figure it out. Yeah, it's been five thousand years, but yeah. So <laughs> Cincinnati or something like that. But to yeah, go yeah. to Seattle, where it was just a beautiful place to win, it's not too high, and then to go in there with like people that I already knew. Like it was the best place, you know, and I and I worked really hard and like it was my first time getting a taste of the business and like getting cut and then going down to Tampa was really good for me too because it was like this opportunity to create, you know, I went to stay in Seattle, but I don't know, maybe going to Tampa looking back was probably the best thing to happen, right? It's like you I felt like I always had that um that that fight and that, you know that fight and that culture and that identity that I wanted to create and I think being an underdog was super important and I think being in Tampa allowed me to like blossom because I ran into other players I think running into Rondé Barber was somebody that really helped my career blossom and grow you know or getting to know Barrett Rude or getting to know you know Raheem Morris, Styles G. White you know all these people and it became um Jimmy Wilkerson, like all these people that was like super and and then I got to play with Gerald Joe McCoy and that was like a whole nother changing moment too. Was it a gut punch to not even get drafted or once you just got picked up by a team, are you just like, fucking let's go? Man, not getting drafted is super hard and it made your career more difficult to succeed, right? Because you're dealing yeah. with the idea of being is basically like starting off as a pawn and becoming a king. Like people remember that you was a pawn. Like if you start off as a king, you start off as a king, you know? And so like, that was a whole journey for that. It's like, you have to go through all these steps to reach that, the plateau of what greatness is. And like being in Seattle, being around, but like that made me more hungry. And I think being there at that time, maybe being drafted, I wouldn't have been as successful as I ended up being because I had the idea of that. I know what it felt like to go unhungry, you know what I'm saying? To, to go sleep. Yeah, one thousand. So you think so? Yeah. So going to Tampa for a little bit. How what? Are the, how did the opportunity to uh, come back to Seattle arise? And was it was it a no brainer? or Was there a little bit of animosity of like, I don't know why no, it didn't work out? Yeah. I was actually about to get franchised in Tampa, and then. Um, can you speak to real quick yeah, what? Was, sorry, before we move on, what can you speak to like what changed for you though in Tampa? Like. Did you was it just not the right fit in Seattle? Were you like, yeah, okay, this wasn't the right. I didn't or... have a choice. I think Seattle had like a that I was on a I was like they had me like as a red shirt, like I was going through the process of becoming a pro because Dan Quinn always like keeps like a young defense lineman and develop him. You know, that's one of the most important things to him. So I was that lineman that he wanted to develop, and so uh, you know that whole you know going down to Tampa. It was just that it was like I was. They told me, "Oh, yeah, we're gonna cut you for tonight, and then we bring you back on Monday." But then when they cut me, like fifteen teams try to claim me, so it was oh, the lowest. Yeah, so the lowest. So the lowest with the team with the worst record is the team that you go to. So, 
So, okay, so you get the chance to go back, and are you like, I mean, you speaking about being undrafted and having a little bit of chip on your shoulder. You're coming into a, a team where there's a lot of that, right? I mean, like, I don't know how many guys were either late picks or also undrafted, like Dougie B, right, where you're, you're now surrounded by guys. Was there, like, an immediate – obviously, you're already kind of a fan of just the city and whatnot, but was there an immediate feeling in that locker room and at practice when you came back – First of all, with more experience, were you like, oh, man, this is – can you tell with a, with a group right away or does it still take time to figure out? I think it was easy, Joe. I, I think, like I, like I was I was supposed to get franchised in, in Tampa, so I was about to get franchised. But it was like the GM wanted to franchise me, and then the coach, Greg Shano, was like, oh, let's not franchise him. And they was like, instead of giving you $10 million, we'll give you eight. And so, and I was like, I was like, man, I don't know about this. Like, I mean, I played through a broken toe and I played through a car accident. I could play so many times when I shouldn't probably hadn't played when I was injured. And like, I just came off a first round tender. So like the, like the steps are supposed to be franchise. Right. And yeah. so I was like, nah, forget it. So then I went down to Miami and they had, uh, they had uh, Cameron Wake, and I was like, man, cool. I was like, okay, I think I'll sign with Miami because – but then I started thinking about it. I was like, damn, everybody in Miami that go here, they always get divorced. And I started saying, well, you know what? Maybe I shouldn't live in Miami. So then <laughs> the Seahawks called me. The Seahawks yeah. called me, and I was talking – I was at the Fountain Blue, and I was like – and I I was supposed to go back to the meeting tomorrow with Miami. I mean, the Seahawks called, and I told my agent, I was like, Dan Coyne was like, man, if you come, we'll win a Super Bowl. He's like, really, you the only one of the main pieces kind of missing is like if we can get a defense alignment who can do like multiple things and like pass for situations. Then I think that's one of the main things that we kind of lack. And we got the outside rushers, but the inside rushers, like what you would be, will make us, well, I'm telling you, we'll win a Super Bowl. And so that's why, that's why I came. Because Dan Quinn, I always said, me and Dan Quinn kept in contact while he was at University of Florida. And he always used to contact me. He was like, whenever I get the coaching job, you know, I'm going to get you or whatever. And uh, so that's how I got there. That's uh, That's got to be somewhat rare, right, in in the uh, league for people to – I mean, I don't know if to keep in touch with coaches for that long, but for guys to to say something like that and mean it and then have it actually come to fruition. I mean, that's coaches like – I think coaches like to have people that they know because it makes it a lot more – it makes it simpler, right? It makes it yeah. – somebody that knows your system, somebody that can do what you do. And it just becomes a lot. It becomes a lot more complex, you know. So, what's it like when you get uh, back to Seattle and you're looking around and, and you're seeing, you know, you're meeting Sherm, you're meeting Cam, you're meeting Beast Mode, you're meeting Russ. I fit in really easy. I fit in super easy because I I'm I'm made like them. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. I'm confused. It's like I don't feel I don't fear nothing. Like you know, so it's easy like for me to come in. I'm not I'm not fearing anything and any of the the work ethic. You know. It strikes me that everybody was kind of homies with each other, but were there people that you kind of like gelled with right away more than others? I don't know if it's in your uh, me, Bane, and Cliff, and B Big Red, and Truck. How was uh? What did Pete say to you when he first got there? Could you tell he was all business? He was like, wow, you fast! Because <laughs> like, he like he hadn't seen me play much because I was in Tampa, and so DQ was the one that wanted me. You know, he's like, I got this yeah. guy, this guy, this guy, and so that's the guy that that's why I ended up there. All right, so take me through uh, the season once things start to like pick up, man. Like that's I think every every 
you know, person that's talked about that uh, 2013 year, like, says that they knew that, you know, things were taking a turn, like, you know, early on in the season. But was there is there a moment when you're playing when you just feel like on the field that just things are different than any situation you've been in? There was so many moments. I think that scene to me was more about, like, the kind of the um, – just the way that we would practice, right? The camaraderie yeah. around practice, the camaraderie around – uh, competing, the camaraderie around watching film. I had never been around a group of people who were committed to something at that level. And it's like something that doesn't happen very often. I think that's what it made that team super special. But I think for me, like even just retiring, like taking that work ethic and taking that idea of what team is, like helps you in business too, right? Do you, uh... Do you have any like first impressions that you remember of like I don't know man like Mar like what was your first uh, interaction with Marshawn like was there you know what I'm saying like that's that's a a guy that's been um you know touted for having uh, be, being a man of few words but it's like well yeah I mean we don't yeah, know Marshawn is actually he's one of the funniest people in the world I knew Marshawn because I also went on a visit to Cal coming out of college high school oh nice so I knew him and Meatbang from then but it was always funny it was just like one of those things where it was kind of like super super just connectivity between everybody do you think the practices are um the way that you guys were like doing them how intense like you know apparently they would get was that is that good or, or bad for a competition it was great because the yeah. it's bad when competition becomes taken off the field but competition is purely competition and when somebody competes against you you're just trying to get better i think that's what makes it makes it makes it unique who are some of the best shit talkers out there Sharon for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Earl. Earl's super, he talks so much shit. <laughs> yeah, and you keep it pretty clean or what? No, I talk a lot of shit, man. You gotta talk shit out there. You gotta tell people what you're gonna do and how you're gonna do it. Cause you gotta say it so much that you believe it. Oh, yeah, this sounds good. Yeah, I guess I can do that. You know, that type of shit. Does anybody ever say anything to you like during a game on the field that actually like makes you crack up and almost like takes you out of your uh, line mentality for a second? Will took a Will took off the coach at the Seattle Seattle like one time he was like, "Man, I'm from Utah, Blood Street Gang, we'll tear you up, oh Crip, Blood Street Crip or whatever." And I was just like, "But you're in the NFL," and he was like, "Oh shit, you're right," you know what I'm saying? And so we still joke about that all the time. Like he was just like he was. He said it was like he was like from some part where he was like a group of people. I don't know if it was a gang or whatever, but yeah, he was yeah. just saying that, and it just made me laugh. So every time I see him, I give him shit about it. What do you think about these videos? What say it again? Say what? Uh, what do you think about these videos of Pete running around at seventy-one, tossing fucking dimes uh, out there on the practice field? Pete is one of the most competitive people I know, and I think it's it's infectious when you have a coach who has energy and seems like he loves the game. He loves everything about it. I spent time coaching this last um, this last preseason, and it was so good. I felt like I got a chance to get in there and really like get to know Pete from the higher level and understand the the thinking of of the philosophy. And I think it was amazing. Yeah, you're seeing a different guy when you're not like you know as a player versus able to step back post playing right and like watch him actually do his thing. Do you you gain a, a yeah, I, greater I, appreciation for it? Yeah, I do appreciate it. I think I appreciate the artistry and the the philosophy, I think that's what it is. I think me even being a designer or a thinker, like to fall in love with process in a in a unique way. And for him to fall in love with process every year and it feels good to him is amazing. And like 
to live the life like that, it's a special life. Are the things Pete said um, to you while you were playing or even like, you know, while you were just there doing preseason helping coach that you that you've like carried on or applied or, or put into, you know, things when, when uh, you're speaking? Pete, Pete never told me anything that applied to my life. But, yeah, I just like him. <laughs> Tired of going to the grocery store? Are you just so bamboozled by how many foods and products there are and you want to eat, you need to eat, it helps to keep you sustained and alive, but you don't know what to make? Well, have no fear. HelloFresh is coming in hot to save the day. Guys, Adam Ray here for the About Last Night podcast. And I'm here to tell you about HelloFresh. You know who they are. They're the number one uh, America meal kit out there because they've been jamming and rocking and rolling and fill up, filling up your tummies and hearts for years. And, you know, they're the uh, the go-to spot for pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes. Uh, and Look, I can't even talk because I'm getting my mouth watering just thinking about all the fun recipes HelloFresh has. They send it right to your doorstep so you don't have to go to the grocery store. How many times you go to the grocery store, you see some weirdo, some psycho, some serial killer getting paper towels, Tums, and Diet Pepsi. It's like 10 p.m. at night. You're like, dude, what are you doing here by yourself? Save that uh, worry uh, from your life and get HelloFresh because they're sending all that stuff to your door. They make it fun, they make it easy, and it's affordable. Uh, my wife and I have been screwing around with uh, HelloFresh for quite some time, and they just make it easy to uh, to eat, you know, and that's what you want. Fall's just around the corner, and HelloFresh is here to help you plan for a busy holiday season uh, with tasty, tasty dishes sent right to your door. Tasty dishes? I can't talk because I'm thinking about all their damn food. Now, look, if you want wholesome made meals and there's not enough time, HelloFresh We'll do that for you. All you need is 15 minutes to enjoy a tasty, satisfying meal made in your own kitchen. Just look for their quick and easy dinner options, plus quick breakfasts and lunches as well. Uh, look, it seems like your family's hungry all the time. Well, great. They got snacks, sides, and more. Uh, every HelloFresh order uh, allows you to pick and curate your own little plan. They've got a HelloFresh market. You can take your pick from a curated selection of over 100 add-on items. Parents are going back to school shopping crazy. Let HelloFresh get the groceries for you and save on money and time. Send that stuff right to your door. Life gets busy. HelloFresh is 25% cheaper than takeout, and you don't have to go to the grocery store and make weird eye contact with somebody from your past that you don't know their last name or favorite color of. Right now, if you want to be a part of this amazing meal plan, go to HelloFresh.com slash 50about and use promo code 50about for 50% off plus free shipping. That's insane. You got to do it. It's the best out there. HelloFresh.com slash 50about with the promo code 50about to get 50% off your order plus free shipping. You can't get much better than that. HelloFresh is the name of the game. It's how everyone's eating. It's how you're feeling better and living life properly. So do it right now. The meals are great. The snacks are great. It's healthy. And look, you can even lose weight if you're trying to uh, make sure that your portions are uh, appropriate, which HelloFresh is the best in the biz at. So go to HelloFresh.com slash 50about, promo code 50about, get 50% off your order, and start feeling better. Let's get back to the episode. All right, so 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 we're getting into the 2013 th- season, man. I, I want you to really speak to uh, once you guys start rolling and you're coming up on on playoffs. How you know people talk about athletes don't want to like be thinking too far ahead and like you know one game at a time and all that. And and you know Pete's obviously preaching the uh, what the one you know go one and zero and 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 every game's a championship opportunity. But like, is it tough to not at that? Uh, juncture in the season be like oh we're gonna fucking win it all or or do you just have to really keep no, yourself I think, I think we had that the whole time because I felt like we were just so into our into it all that like it felt like we were gonna win because we were hungry in that way how much does the uh the 12s in the fan base really like affect what's happening like that San oh. Fran game like that shit was bonkers back and forth and really came down to it at the end and it's like I feel like there's certain plays where it's like you guys f- clearly fed off what was happening around you, right? 
Man, I was, the, the fans are the most beautiful thing about Seattle, right? The fans will will help you go to another level. And the Seahawks fans are like no other fans. The only fans that could compare to me is the Philadelphia Eagles. Oh, shit, yeah. I thought you were going to say is the OnlyFans accounts that I follow. But, yeah, okay. So the Eagles. You said OnlyFans? You, you can't follow OnlyFans. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> I said the OnlyFans that are better than the 12s are the OnlyFans accounts that you've yeah you're not an only fans are you i've never been on only fans though i know it's too it feels me, very feels well, like it's not a place you want to live let me ask you this though mike if you had to put something up from your life what would you put up on only fans what's the part of what's the part of mike b that you feel like might garner the most income no because i feel like the only way to garnish income is to do ungodly acts you know like he like just the only way to i mean pimp c said it the best like you know Pouring in in the streets is gonna be on the internet now, and it's like that was true. It's like that's exactly what that is. Like you basically do is 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 I don't know what they call this. I mean, so maybe some people are doing some some good stuff, but I bet the people who are getting the most money are showing a little little a little, a little something. Extra. Yeah, they're showing extra. Not, a little something that's not on the value menu. Yeah, there's a yeah. <laughs> there's a girl named Stephanie Maddow. She was on a show called Ninety Day Fiance. She farts in the jars and sells them for like fifty k. Uh, a pop on the internet. What? Yeah, let's move on. Mike, uh, when... <laughs> what? <laughs> That's a no, real thing. Can't move on. Ste like Ste that. Stephanie Maddow, she farts into jars and crazy dudes out there, people with teeth and families and debit cards are buying these jarred farts for 50 to 60. Yeah, people were... Not crazy. Like, how, do you, how does it even show up when you're... Like, how do you even explain <laughs> that to your wife or somebody? I don't think like, you what do. I think you should take that shit to the <laughs> grave. <laughs> She's like, what is that in that jar? Don't open it. You're gonna ruin the value. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit! This smell like thought fart. Yeah, I bought some thought fart. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what when you guys uh when Sherm got that uh that tip on? First of all, tell me this on that final drive before you guys close it out. Are the nerves? As a fan, the nerves you know are so high and the anxiety is like through the roof. Are you able to to kind of zone it out and keep it cool, or do you like to use the 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 stress level and the adrenaline of the moment to kind of fuel your play. I think we like to fuel our play. I think it was like the stress of it all is like what makes it. That's what brings the competition. That's what brings in the heart. That's what brings in the culture. So for us, I think I think it was kind of simple for us to like compete and do those kind of things at that level when when it's like it on that you know it's on that one you know. When Sherm got that tip, do you remember what you thought or felt? Was it just like, I mean, you're going to the Super Bowl for the first time ever, like with this group of guys? It was, like, it was moving in slow motion. It was like, whoa, what is that? You know what I'm saying? And it made it super um, impactful because it was like the opportunity to, you know, see Sherm. He'd been working all year, like making plays like that. And for him, that, that play changed his life. Mm. Uh, break down Super Bowl week for me. You guys get out there. Is it just all like, you know, as Dougie and KJ uh, and Clifford Ball told me, like there was just a confidence level that was like through the roof. So it was like the nerves were kind of really chill. You guys were just enjoying like all the press stuff. You know, obviously Marshawn was getting a lot of attention with all his interviews, but it just felt like people were so high on like Peyton Manning and the offense that it, I don't want to say you guys weren't getting any love, but it was just like, it felt a little unbalanced. And I went to the game with some homies. We did some <clears throat> shows out there in New York, and we saw so many Seahawks fans in the streets of, of Times Square that I was like, man, I think Seattle's showing up for this game more than they're giving anybody credit for. And then on that opening uh, play, it sounded like a fucking home game. 
Yeah, man, I feel like that game was very, like, the whole weather the whole time was the main thing that people were talking about. It was like, oh, the weather's going to be like that. And then the weather was like God just cleared out that one spot in the city and, like, allowed us to play. And so for that, I felt like we were very um, fortunate. I think there was this idea that we would dominate. I think it started off with us being in, um, being there in, in in New York and being inside the Giants facility and seeing what they had on the board and then comparing it to what we how we were feeling about ourselves and that became like okay well this is not that's how we thinking and so when the way we were thinking about it and seeing what their goals was as a team I mean it gave us a lot of hope to say ooh like damn what we thinking is just way more unique and powerful because we not we don't plan up of giving nothing up so I mean that's a hard week too I kind of forgot forget a lot of stuff that happened honestly because it was so long ago. Yeah. Uh, can you at least just tell me, like, at halftime, do you remember what was were you feeling at halftime? Like, you could just being up 22 nothing. Like, is it just, like, keep the foot on the gas? Is Pete, like, walking in laughing, smiling? Or is everybody just, like, no, still? A, you can't – that situation, you're still playing against Peyton Manning, so yeah. you still had to be very cautious and still, you know, be forward-thinking. And so I think that was very important for us to, like, stay humble and not get too far ahead of ourselves and make sure that we compete. Uh, what was that parade like in Seattle? I know you were, uh, you know, obviously uh, you guys were having a good time out there. I'm sure the party in New York was pretty bonkers too, but didn't Pearl Jam play at the party in New York or some shit or no? And black people don't like Pearl Jam, bro. <laughs> but I think we had to complain about that. We was like, bro, we win the game. Y'all bring Pearl Jam? Y'all better bring Drake or Future or somebody. Oh, we couldn't have Future because of... Yeah, I just saw Drake last night. It was unbelievable. You saw Drake? Yeah, here What's in LA. Drake here? I don't know, man. He had some uh, some outfits that uh, that I definitely wish I had the confidence to wear. People were going nuts. I've never been to a Drake concert before. This shit was unbelievable. I've never been to a Drake concert. Drake is a great performer, though, huh? Oh, he's just yeah, unbelievable. I mean, that's the 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 showmanship on that guy. I get it. You know, my wife's obsessed. You know, I've never uh, I've never seen so many white girls that that probably don't have probably aren't in you know the twerk times of their life. Just fucking break it down, dude. I mean, everybody was just... Oh, dude, everybody was twerking. I mean, I even tried to, you know, back it up a couple of times and was asked to leave uh, the arena. But, I mean, things were... Uh, people were just going for it. That guy brings out the another side of, of most fans of music, you know? Yeah, Drake is a pretty powerful... Um, he has a lot of... Uh, he uh, he is very in tune to his... His, 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 his people, you know what I'm saying? He makes music yeah. for the people... I listen to it. What's know? on the Mikey B uh, playlist? What's on the Mikey B pump up playlist like pregame? I, mine is Gil Scott Heron, uh, Marvin Gaye, Future, Jay Z, Kanye, Kendrick. I mean, can we even say Kanye anymore? Or is he fully canceled? Let me know. Because you're Jewish, right? <laughs> yeah, oh yeah. <clears throat> Thanks, so brother. How'd you know that? You said your grandfather was Uncle Homer Jew. Yeah. And, not, and that's not derogatory. This is his words. You know, I got to be yeah. real careful. This is, no, dude. I, I think what he said, and he said Oklahoma Jew. Oh, I said Oklahoma Jewish man. He said the other part. I just want to be clear so I don't, you know. You're spot on, so Mike. I don't get canceled. No, you ain't going to get canceled. <laughs> you, you ain't going to get canceled. You already did it. Dude, you got through one pregame broadcast, cancel free. So I think you're on the right track. Oh, that's good. Was that a good time? No, super good. It's nice to do do that from more from my perspective. You know what's great too is watching you along guys like KJ who uh, you know 
is real well spoken like yourself, but like you're definitely a little more loose on the mic. And like you could tell even just him sitting next to you, like he, he knows you so well. He was almost like there were times when you'd say certain things where he'd laugh, but a little bit nervously, like, oh, oh shit, man. <laughs> you know, like I like that. I like cause KJ, I like how he was growing who he's growing to be. You know, I think there's a sense of what KJ is experiencing that's super powerful. And like oh, yeah. the growth of who he is is kind of amazing. So I like seeing him grow and like like being like, man, you can you can you don't have to be so uptight. You don't have to follow the same rhythm everybody else is following. You can create your own rhythm. Is that a guy that you could easily tell was going to kind of segue into the uh, the analyst and broadcasting world? No, actually, no, because he didn't really talk that much, and then all of a sudden, now he talks too much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yo, um, all right, so. Uh, Win the Super Bowl, you guys go back. Um, you know, talked about it at, at great length. Uh, experience, what, how do you, how do you, what do you take back from that uh, that whole experience? I guess there is really not about the the. It's really not about the game. It's really about the relationships that you make along that time for the game. I think those are the biggest thing I learned that time. How about the game leading up to it? Craziest game you ever been a part of. That's the second craziest game I've ever been a part of. What's the first one? Champions of Change game last year? No, the the Cowboys versus the Eagles in 2018. Oh, shit. It was like a crazy game back and forth. And, like, um, what's name just got there, and he went for, like, 210 yards or five catches. Like, it was kind of a back-to-back game for sure. Yeah. Um. All right, so you're uh... – you guys, um, talk me through at least uh, the end of the uh, the second uh, Super Bowl. You guys, uh, uh, what's that off season like? Are you uh, taking just like, are you in full vacay mode? Do you guys all keep in touch? Was the locker room, everybody just like, all right, see you when I see you? Was uh, it like? No, we all was super cool. I think for us it was like this idea of like, if you died and you went to heaven and then you got there and you was like, okay, cool, what's next? And that's kind of what the whole process was, was like, like we already did the thing that was supposed to be the most beautiful thing in the world. Yeah. And you tell them we're supposed to do it again. And so that was kind of the thing that everybody had to figure out. Yeah, for me, I was like, I don't know, man. Like, we got – it's so tough to get one Super Bowl. Going back is already incredible in itself. So, I mean, obviously, like, everybody wants to to always win and be on top. But, like, is it – do you think because of your um, – your, just kind of the way that you're uh, – your mind had formed over the years and your upbringing and just kind of how zen you are about things. Like, was it, do you think you had an easier time processing all that than, than, than other uh, teammates or what? Yeah, I think I had an easier time. I'm not, I'm not, I didn't have a hard time processing it because it's like, of course what's next, you know, like that's what, that's what, that's the whole key of it. Right. So I didn't really have too much. Um, I didn't, I didn't feel like overly, I guess I didn't feel like overly, um, like I was like, okay, then what's next? And like moving forward, even when we lost, I always felt like because you win the first one, you like well, we can always get back there. And then sometimes, I guess the flaw in that that optimism is that you become numb to the journey to like just expecting to do that, not realizing yeah. every time you do it, it's a it's a it's a beautiful journey. Yeah. What was that? Uh, you were about to talk about how that parade was in downtown Seattle after the uh, 2013 bowl. Was that just bonkers? Oh, super bonkers. Man, that had so many people out there. That was one of them things that you can never forget because the amount of people that was out there. It was like crazy, man. What you guys, I mean, didn't Sean have like, I mean, you guys were drinking on that boat and floating shit? Like just. I didn't drink. No. 
can't drink in public. The last thing you want to do is see white America seeing a black man get drunk on TV. It's just not <laughs> yeah. good. Um, all right, I want to uh, do a quick thing here before uh, before we close out. Um, appreciate you doing this, by the way, Mike. That's easy. Your homie, man. I appreciate it. Even though I'm getting paid, out. fans. He paid me to be on here. He pays his fans. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I appreciate it, man. Uh, when, uh, when are you coming back stateside, by the way? All right, next couple of weeks. Nice. Are you going to be around um, Seattle for uh, chunks of the season or what? Well, yeah, I'll be around a couple of times. All right, I'll probably see you down there then. <clears throat> um, all right, I'm going to say uh, a, a name from uh, – <laughs> Uh, from a, a guy that uh, you've been fucking with for a little bit um, uh, on the field, off the field, and then just, you know, maybe it's a word, a couple sentences, something about him if a memory pops up. Um, Cliff Averill. Brother, man, I think the first thing that pops in my head is, like, brother who became family. Like, me and Cliff, that's my road dog. And, like, even to this day, like, even retirement, we still be, still close the way we was when we played. We talk like, almost every day. So Cliff is a brother for me. Were you guys uh, roommates or no? Nah, we have roommates. We was, we was starters. Hey, he came in shortly after you came in, right? Like, I mean, right after. Was came he... in together. Fuck, dude. Did you guys kind of, uh, the way Dan said that you were that missing piece, did you guys, he kind of had that same mindset for Cliff as well, yeah? Yeah, exactly. Uh, all right, Dougie B. Napoleon Syndrome. <laughs> Cam Chancellor. Uh, Terminator. Richard Sherman. Predator. No, that's a bad thing to say. Go back. Can't say Predator. That sounds terrible. <laughs> I thought you meant like Predator the movie, right? Yeah, but like, you know, these days you can't say nothing like that because something might pop out one day and it's like, Michael Bennett said Predator. We should have known. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, so I got to be careful. I can't, you know what I'm saying? You can't say stuff like yeah. that. I know, dude, but it's like, it's all context. Podcast. It was back in 2023. He said he it. Called it was, him a Jew. He called Adam Ray yeah. a Jew. It's like no, motherfucker. Adam Ray called himself a Jew. The mic just reiterated it. <laughs> no, um, I'll say uh, intellectual. Oh yeah. Uh, Russell Wilson. Short. <laughs> Marshawn Lynch. Wide. Pete Carroll. Google. <laughs> <laughs> Martellus Bennett. Uh, uh, genius. Geno Smith. Geno Smith. Let me see. Uh, man, that cartoon elf. Yeah, yeah he might as well. <laughs> uh, DK Metcalf. Androgynous. Tyler Lockett. <laughs> Why? <laughs> Why you laughing? And drug, I'm That's like a good. That's a good term. Back in the oh, day, yeah. your answers are just your answers are throwing me off. They're 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 unexpected and, and perfect. Okay, Tyler Lockett, uh, a beast. I think he's one of the most undersized people who's made the most of his career. For sure, dude. Um, John Schneider. Oh, ooh. Hunter Biden. <laughs> Bobby Wagner. General. Adam Ray. Bill General. Um, what was that movie called when uh, uh, when he switched to the black family? What was it called? The Nerd? Or, uh, <laughs> wait, wait, which, you know what I'm talking about? No, which one? Oh, with, uh, with the guy with the um, 
from Saturday Night Live. He goes to the black family? Which one? I think it's the nerd. Let me see. Let me look real fast. One second. Yeah, yeah. The Jerk. The Jerk. Steve Martin. When he goes yeah. to the... Oh, yeah. <laughs> wait, so... <laughs> wait, so what, so what is it? What are you saying? I remind you of the movie The I Jerk? Think, yeah. Double entendre. I'll take that. Um... All right, Mike. Tell me, uh, tell me in the fans, dude. When you're when you're uh, taking it easy and kicking back in Hawaii, how are you? Uh, how are you relaxing? You, you got a nice glass of wine. You got some music. You got some guitar. What are your hobbies? How are you? Uh... My hobby is designer. I make furniture. I'm, I went to the art space. I went to school for architecture design. So I focus on like making stuff right now. We making stuff as I speak, drawing and 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 focusing on some new designs. I just finished something in Seattle. The Seattle Design Week. I made a sculpture out there, which was pretty good. Let's go. Yeah, you've always got a creative uh, side to you. I don't think people get to see enough of. Um, all right, well, if maybe I, you know, at some point down the line, I just got married. If you, there's maybe like a, you know, I don't know what your fee is to design me like a, a custom-made, you know, uh, futon for uh, for my smoke room. I could do that easily. Yeah. How long you just been married? How long you been married for? Eight months. Any advice? You think it's going to work out? or? Oh, yeah, she's the greatest thing ever. Okay, that doesn't mean that you're the greatest thing ever. Don't get her greatness mixed with your greatness. What kind of? So you starting off on the wrong foot already, man. <laughs> oh shit! No, I'm I'm 41. She's 28. We're we're jamming. She's she's more mature than I am. I'm uh, you know, I'm uh. That always says that's that's something that an older man who dates a younger woman always says. Like that's like the first thing that come out of their mouth. It's like, yeah, man, she's way mature than me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just a grown. I'm a grown uh, a, adult child, you know. I mean, I'm like trying to make. I'm telling dick jokes for a living, you know. But 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 uh, you know, <laughs> but she's got nothing to worry about, you know. We can go to Drake and and I don't have to, you know, take extra. I mean, look, it's maybe I got to take an extra couple road gigs because of last night, but you know, it all comes yeah, back. As long as you're not taking too much Viagra, you're good. None yet. How about you? No, that'd be the worst. You die using Viagra. And can you imagine. You overworked your heart. Oh fuck! It's happened, dude. That's a that's bad PR for that drug. Or is it great PR? I mean, there's people dying all kinds of ways. Like to die like that might be, you know, and you just <laughs> like you might, it might not be that. It might not be that bad. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, now that you put it like that, getting eaten by a shark or you know, falling out of a, a moving train or something like that, dude. Yeah. Or die I mean, taking a it's... selfie. Not taking a selfie, man. That's Can I ask you a question. Do, do you feel that, depending on this, is a sick joke, a sick idea, just it doesn't, baby. and I'm sharing it with you. But is do you feel like there's certain um, funerals you won't go to, like depending on how the person died? Great question. I thought about this because I almost got attacked by a kangaroo. <laughs> Uh, when I was in Australia, I was at a, a sanctuary feeding koalas and and feeding kangaroos, and one of them stood up and like f like flexed on me. Like this motherfucker looked like like I just like I don't know. I was trying to you know t take one of his uh, you know kids away, and this thing flexed on me and and started to charge at me. And I thought, wow, what if it like just drop kicked me and that was a wrap, and I died from a kangaroo kick to the dome? Like people probably aren't if they are going to the funeral, they're laughing their way like. How do you stay solemn being like, dude, what happened to Adam? Oh, man, he just uh, wasn't quick enough, man. And he just, uh, 
You know, he's he was he was in that coma forever. I thought he was gonna bounce back. I'm sorry, that's a bad joke. But but you know, I mean, he just uh, he he was a good guy. Like I don't know, man. You can't stay. There's certain ways you die. It's just silly. There's no way around it. And I think death by kangaroos would definitely have not been the uh, ideal way for me to go out. But yeah, man. I mean, I think there's some funerals. I don't know what's what's a what's a way to die that you don't think you could go pay tribute to. I guess if you like walked off the edge of a cliff taking a selfie. <laughs> I think for me that'd be kind of like that'd be like yeah. What are you gonna What are you gonna say, man? He died. Lo- he died doing what he loved. Just fucking taking bullshit yeah, like, photos, <laughs> forcing us to like his bullshit on Instagram. <laughs> like it's like, what do you do then? Like that's the kind of stuff you might be like, I don't know, man. Like this could have been avoided. You know, if it's a, an avoidable situation, then I'm kind of like, yeah, cool. But then if it's like one of those situations, like, why Why would he do that? Like. Why would he, what? Like, it doesn't, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why would he stand on the edge of the Grand Canyon when it clearly says, do not stand on this side of the fence? <laughs> then you have to start and thinking, I- should you waste your time of your day to to celebrate somebody like that or? Yeah, I don't know. I mean, it depends on how close you are with the person, what the, what the food looks like, how long the <laughs> ceremony is. I mean, there's other factors. Wait, let me ask you this real quick. Do you think DeMar Hamlin should play football again? That shit was crazy. I don't think we've ever seen that. I don't think he should play football again. Actually, I think he kind of like watered downs the... I feel like him not playing would become a bigger impact because now he could talk about what players are figuring. Like, I feel like there was a bigger... Like, he could have became bigger than football. You know what I'm saying? Like, because... Could almost be like Kaepernick, you know, but maybe he wasn't playing, but the impact would be the same because it could have an impact on human beings. But you can't really stop somebody from playing, right? Because he really wanted to play and maybe that was what was keeping him up, you know? You think you can play too long? I mean, like, I don't, when you retired, you were how many years in the I league? I think you can play too long. You think Brady I mean, played so, too long? No. Nah. I mean, it depends. You got to ask Giselle that. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, dude, you're hot on the mic, man. We got to get you back in that booth ASAP. And also, next time I do a show in Seattle and or Hawaii and Houston, which I'm getting your t- folks' ticks to, you got to do a, maybe a hot five up top, dude. Have you ever thought about doing stand-up? Be honest with me. Yeah, I thought about every day. My wife was like, you're going to get canceled. So I have jokes already done. and Yo, I know. Very- I think you did the uh, at the parlor back in the day. I think, wasn't there a roast of you or a roast of Doug or all three, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if it's a roast again as much as maybe just a, I don't know, man. We should figure something yeah. out, dude. I think it's a set. I think I could do a set. But the problem is the jokes that I have are, let's just say if Dave Chappelle met uh, Ricky Gervais. Let's go, dude. It's a great combo. You love Ricky Gervais? Fearless, right? Oh, Ricky Gervais is funny. Oh, he's he's the between him and Dave Chappelle are my favorite comedians. Have you seen right Have now. you seen Dave live? No. All right. Well, let me know, man. I know him and his tour manager pretty well. If he comes out to Hawaii or even uh, wherever you are, let me know. I got you. You saying you'll give me tickets to Dave Chappelle? I got you, baby. This ain't lip service. Live oh, on the this pod. Is, this is, see, fans, let me tell y'all something. This is where the relationship can get sticky right here, right? Because now. Oh, yeah. Now, if I don't follow through, you delete my number. Now I like now I have to come up with something amazing. You know what I'm saying? Like no, you do. No, I don't, it's so amazing, and I have to come up. It's like who's going to want it? I'm like, yeah, you need, you need it. Oh, yeah, you need something? Yeah, I call Obama real quick. You need, yeah, ticket. Get, get, you know what I'm saying? So it's like now we had like, nah, we had I, a hard, 
Let me tell you, I don't work like that, Mike. I do it out of the kindness of my heart. You can ask my mom. Well, that's, so not, that. that's so not American of you. To what? To what, just do it because it makes me feel good? Yeah, that's not a, that's not an American trait. That's proud of you, man. You That's a lot of growth. Yeah, dude. Well, that's you can you can thank my mom Puddin' for uh, for pumping that through me. I feel like your folks did the same. Your folks were cool as shit, dude. When I met him at the uh, gala, I mean, you know, I got a chuckles out of both of them pretty quick. So I was like, all right, a you guys got a good sense of a sense of humor and a good sensibility because I was throwing some B material at you and I got you to to uh, to smirk and smile. Uh, what are your folks' names again? They're cool as shit. Uh, Penny and Michael. That's right, dude. All right. Well, hopefully I see them in Houston. Your dad had a meaty ass handshake too. I thought he was gonna break all my fucking knuckles. It's just for our ancestors. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, dude. Uh, all right. I love you, man. I appreciate you. I, I, it's not lip service with these Chappelle tickets, too. I got you, man. And uh, all, right, all, I ask, all I ask is that you get me to raise a 12th man flag uh, on the opening game. That's it. Opening game? Look, see, now you were out. Maybe some game. Opening game? You know, I'm, I'm joking. I, I, Bro, I'm so full of shit, dude. So full of shit. All right, enjoy, uh, enjoy your weekend. Thanks for doing this. No problem. Was it all right? Quick and easy. It was painless, right? Yeah. yeah. Your G, man. I appreciate it. Um, I'll see you. In a, I'll, I'm sure I'll see you in Seattle at some point. Yes, sir. Thank you. All right, brother. Thanks, Mikey. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.